Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. I'm Suzanne Kearns, Mom and Dot 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 writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate. And today, realizing that the Cap 10K is two weeks away and I have not run since the half marathon two months ago. So I know what I'm doing this afternoon. (laughs) Yeah, maybe going for a little run. And I'm Missy Stevens, mom and dot, 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 writer, foster child advocate. And this week, I am happily suffering for my hobby. I am sneezing so much. There's a lot of dirt under my fingernails, but it's the best. I've been in the yard for days and I love it. What are you planting? All the things. Like I planted some herbs and I planted some, like a little tiny butterfly garden and then all my just pots. And then I put in some landscaping shrubs to replace some things that we lost because everything freezes every year. It's Texas. Trying to find some hardy things that can handle 110 and negative 10. It's tricky. <laughs> I know. That makes us hardy, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> and today we are so excited to be chatting with Christine Winston. Christine Winston is the acting executive director of Path Forward, a nonprofit organization helping people return to their careers after time spent caregiving. I mean, could there be anything more perfect for us, Missy? Like our whole thing. I know. In the seven years since Path Forward's founding, the organization has worked with tens of thousands of returners and helped more than 100 employers implement and expand successful return to work programs that create opportunities for traditionally overlooked talent. Here's two here's two of the traditionally overlooked talent right here. <laughs> Having taken a career break to raise her own children, Christine is driven to help others re-engage with their careers and find success and fulfillment both at work and at home. She lives in Connecticut with her husband and two sons. And I swear our paths have crossed somewhere. I look looking at your LinkedIn compared to my AOL and all the people that we know from where did I used to work? Avenue A, Razorfish Days. I'm sure that somewhere we have seen each other before but i'm no very doubt. happy to see you today welcome <laughs> well thank you so much for having me i'm really looking forward to this conversation we are too and we're going to dive right in we learned a little bit about you in your bio can you share christine 101 talk a little bit about where your career started and how you ended up here kind of your pivots along the way Yeah, believe me, none of what happened was in my plan when I graduated from college. That may be partly because I didn't have much of a plan in that moment. (laughs) Um, I started in a very generic kind of post-college job in commercial banking at Chemical Bank, which then became J.P. Morgan Chase. And, you know, a few years in, I got a call from a friend of mine who was working at this company called Movie Phone. You guys may remember this, but not everybody might remember this, but there was a time before you could get your movie times on the internet where you had to look them up in the newspaper or you had to call this service 777 film and the guy would pick up and say, hello and welcome to movie phone and use your touchstone phone to figure out where you were going to the movies. Um, And they were just thinking this was, you know, mid 90s were just thinking about bringing the service online and he was looking for somebody to help them start their website and I thought well that sounds a lot more exciting than what I'm doing right now mm-hmm. so I jumped over to movie phone it was a small organization like 30 people and you know we grew pretty quickly and three years later were acquired by AOL 
um, during their buying frenzy and the mm-hmm. dot-com frenzy. And at that point, I was the head of marketing for Movie Phone, doing all of our consumer marketing and the mm-hmm. trailers that used to play in movie theaters. So I was able to sort of move up pretty quickly and get a lot of new skills and, and learn things yeah. that I hadn't learned before. And I carried that with me into AOL because I came into AOL at a time that, and you'll remember this, Suzanne, was pretty mm-hmm. chaotic for that organization. Oh, yes. Uh, was there through the merger with Time Warner, and it felt like the company reorganized every six months. I was there for yeah. nine years, and I had more yeah. than nine bosses. And wow. it, But what was great about it, and one of the things that I kind of discovered early on and then kept leaning into, was that every one of these organizational changes presented me with some really great opportunities. Right. So I walked Mm -hmm. in doing, you know, communications and marketing and I walked out nine years later as a VP of finance. Uh, So I kept (laughs) looking for every time there was a reorganization where what what can I learn? What Mm -hmm. can I do that's new? You know, what would be a new challenge for me? Who have I met in the organization that has a really cool job? And so, you know, I worked in marketing. I worked in the corporate communications group. I worked in programming strategy. And then I ended up working in finance, kind of rolling up all of that into sort of more strategic planning work. And so that was a really great time for me. I was also, I had gotten married a couple of years after the acquisition and my husband was starting a new career. He had decided he wanted to do something he was passionate about. He uh, went back and got a degree in environmental management on top of his MBA uh, and was making a career in sustainability and helping companies, you know, be more sustainable sustainable and hopefully regenerative in their practices. And we didn't really know where that was going to go. So I was the primary breadwinner. I was a primary breadwinner when our first son was born. And then he wrote a book that really took off right around the same time. In fact, it hit the warehouse the day our second son was born. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Plug it. And What's the title? What's the title? Yeah, what it's, is called, it? it's called Green to Gold. Oh. And it is one of the best-selling environmental business books out there. And he started traveling all the time, giving speeches, doing consulting work. And our life became kind of unsustainable as a result mm-hmm. of that. And I decided to take a break from my career. Um, my kids at the time were four and one. It seemed like as good a time as any to yeah. spend some time with them. And I thought I'd be out of the workforce for a couple of years. And <laughs> yes, too. <laughs> yeah. And as you guys know, that couple of years turned into five, seven, nine, before you know it. Yeah. Um, and that's actually a story that I hear all the time from returners in my current line of work is that, you know, you you make a plan and then, you know, fate laughs. And, uh, and I really started thinking about getting back to work about five years in when they were both in school for most of the day. But I really didn't know where to begin. And I was very fortunate to get connected with the woman who was the founding uh, executive director of Path Forward, Tammy Foreman, seven years ago next week. Uh, was when things really turned around for me. She was just getting started with Path Forward, was looking for her first staff member. And I went in to talk to her about helping her get this organization off the ground. And it was a great fit because I had had this crazy varied set of experiences that put me in a really great place to help 
a tiny team of two for quite some time, mm -hmm. um, get something new started. And it was also the perfect marriage of what I wanted for this next stage of my career, right? I had done all kinds of different work, but I hadn't done any purpose-driven work. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't done work that was really personally, like a personal passion of mine. Mm -hmm. And I always say there's some poetry and some irony in the fact that I went back to work in creating an organization that helps other people get back to work. I think it's um, the most beautiful thing possible. I just love yeah. it. <laughs> so that is my story and how and I then, how I got where I am today. Oh, we couldn't and, love it more. Yeah, and we both needed you to have done it about seven years prior to when y'all started. We did. <laughs> we're going on about. Well, we need it now too. So we're good. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's so much what the whole podcast is about. We're trying to help women get more strategic, even from that first day that they decide to take a step back and pause for a while to figure out what they should be doing during that time. Obviously, spending time with the kids, uh, um, but you know, they nap, they do other things, they go on play they dates, do. and what can you do to really position yourself well for when you do decide to go back in the workforce? So it isn't so startling like that. I'm like, yes. it's very deer in the headlights when you start thinking about it for real after such a long time. So. We are two of your customer base as far as, <laughs> and so many of our listeners are too. So, absolutely. Okay. So, if you're talking to some stay at home moms, whether they've been out five, 10, 15 years, they come to the Path Forward website and then what happens? What do they do? So, the Path Forward website offers a lot of different things for people at different stages in their journey back to work, right? I think there's that moment when you tell yourself, I should probably get back to work at some point. <laughs> right? Or like a moment every six months or so for yeah. 15 years. Yeah, exactly. 2012. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, there's a moment where you want to start taking concrete steps and you have to, God forbid, refresh your resume. Find your resume. Mine was on a floppy disk. <laughs> Oh, no. So that presented its whole set of different challenges, right? Oh. Um, oh, for our younger listeners, we are blowing their minds. Like yeah. we talked about movie phone and floppy disks. Like it, some of them are going, what? Millennials, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> and I, um, I think there's also that moment where you get that all together and you realize that if you apply to jobs, you're going to need to be ready to interview. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. And so the people that are coming to our site are everywhere from, I've just realized I should probably get back to work to, I've been applying like crazy and I'm not hearing back or I'm hearing a whole lot of no. no. Um, and we kind of want to serve everybody where they're at. We have a lot of content around helping you get back to work, both in sort of however you choose to consume your content, right? We have a lot of written resources and some downloadables, but we also do a lot of live events because I think that those are really powerful, both in terms of letting people hear from us and from other experts about how they can position themselves after a career break. How do you write a resume? How do you leverage right. LinkedIn as a good networking tool, right? How do you prepare for different types of interview scenarios? Um, but we we also want them to hear from 
returners and people who've, who are through this experience and on the other side and help them to get inspired. And I think that the events serve that function um, a lot more personally for people because not only are they hearing from experts, but they're hearing from people who've done what they're trying to do, but they're also there in a, in a Zoom room, if you will, with a lot of other people who are in the same situation that they're in. And I think job searching is a fundamentally lonely activity and bringing people together who are all in the same boat and can interact in a chat and, you know, feel like they're not alone. And we get that feedback all the time after these events. It was so helpful to understand that, like, I am not on a lonely journey, Mm -hmm. even though it may feel that way. And then the last thing that we provide, and I think this is kind of the the most important is job opportunities. We're working with companies to get them to create what are called return to work or returnship programs. And the crux of these programs is that an employer sets aside specific jobs and headcount specifically for people with career gaps who are returning to the workforce. So when you apply to those jobs, the pool of other applicants is all people with career breaks. There aren't people there who are in workforce today in that same pool. Mm -hmm. And that really levels the playing field and allows each returner to be treated on the basis and evaluated on the basis of their own skills and experiences and not based on when they acquired those or last used them. Some of the things you've said, I think, for me, when I'm considering this, are a real challenge and a real struggle. Things like, I don't know how to do a resume anymore. I don't really have confidence in my skills anymore. What are some of the most common challenges y'all work with that you hear coming from returners? And what, I guess, how do you, do you provide the fixes <laughs> or you know, do you have the tools? What are they doing? Instead of just me sitting here whining, like, I just don't feel confident. Now what? <laughs> well, you really hit the nail on the head there. I think the biggest issue that most returners are facing is confidence. Regardless of how successful they were in their past career, That imposter syndrome, that sense of self-doubt. And part of it is because today's landscape of the workforce or the interviewing process or, you know, it seems like this black box and it seems really foreign. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really important, I think, to help returners understand what to expect in that environment. And we actually do a lot of events too with employers who are hiring returners come in and talk about like, what are you looking for? What does your interview process look like? Right. So that they can kind of put themselves in that, in that situation. But it really is that confidence piece. And just because you haven't done a specific job in the last five, 10, God forbid, longer years, doesn't mean that you forgot everything that you know. You may, like I had, have forgotten exactly what the metrics were of that project that you worked Mm -hmm. on, Mm -hmm. Um, but you still remember the skills that got you through that. And I think that that reminding people what they have to offer is super important. And we have some content on our site. We also did an event entirely around confidence at the beginning of last year, Mm -hmm. but tools to just kind of write down and remember for yourself when you felt super successful in your career? Mm. What was it that you were doing? What skills were you using when you did that? Mm-hmm. Um, and reminding yourself of, you know, who you were in that professional capacity is really, really important. And that's the biggest thing, I think. Yeah. Those ideas of transferable skills, I think, is always such a really 
powerful thing. And then do you encourage people to do other, I, I'm thinking like the Enneagram test or uh, was it the Myers-Briggs or Strength Finder trying to figure out, especially for me, I feel yeah, I've had this big extensive break, but even probably a year into my break, I knew that I didn't want to go back to what I was doing mm -hmm. before. So just this exploration of possibility. Do you work on that with them or do you have any recommendation for resources for people who are looking for that? So we don't particularly, not because I don't think those things can be valuable for some people, mm -hmm. but because I think that they are, you know, that's it's very much an exploration and a pathfinding thing and we're not mm -hmm. in the coaching business or the individual coaching business right. in that sense okay. um, but I think there are a lot of great coaches out there that can work with people kind of on those types of strategy and visioning for where they want to be next I think we focus a lot more on the tactical pieces of this mm -hmm. for people who want to figure out how to get started Perfect. Right. That's such a good, important distinction. And we just shared in our group and on our page yesterday, which now mm -hmm. by the time this airs is going to be a month ago, but, um, yeah, right. and that's why we wanted to share it already is a link to the resume workshop that y'all are doing. Oh, great. Uh, Cause we're like, oh no, what if it doesn't air until then? But it looks like for sessions like that, there's this little receptacle of all the past webinars that you've done based on all these different categories that you can still have access to, even though they may not be live. So resume building is one of those big ones. Absolutely. I, I just faced that and oh. Yeah. How to treat your gap on your resume is always mm -hmm. the biggest, but the resume just in and of itself, like the level of they're very different than they used to be. The, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then we have the extra complicating factor of LinkedIn which mm -hmm. is also your resume, sort of, but you can mm -hmm. only have one LinkedIn profile. Whereas, you know, most job seekers today will customize their resume a little bit based on the jobs that they're applying to. Yes. Um, right. But recruiters also have access to your LinkedIn profile. So those things have to agree, right? So those are the kinds of things that we're talking about in terms of, uh -huh. you know, how do you think about this new online resume that we all have? Yes. on LinkedIn relative to the paper resume that oh, your mind just went submitting. I know it is so <laughs> tricky because the roles that I look at, and this is my most dangerous thing, and I preach it all the time not to do this, like just because you can do a job does not mean that you should do that job. And so I'm very dangerous. You're really sucked at, in by the can-dos. So I'm very sucked in by you know the client service things, the interactive marketing or advertising mm -hmm. things, which are things that I don't want to be doing, but I was like, well, I could do it. And it pays a lot more than these other things that I actually want to do. But yeah, so I find my resume is not just like little tweaks of tailoring. It's like the stuff at the bottom goes to the top for some roles and the stuff at the top goes to the bottom. So my senior account director stuff may be, you know, just a bullet point at the things where I'm looking at, you know, community advocacy and grassroots building type of things. So then when you do get to the LinkedIn, it's like, how do you even decide what goes on top? Uh-huh. Um, do you just well, change it, it every few months? <laughs> yeah. Some of it is dictated for you by LinkedIn, right? The experience part of a LinkedIn profile is chronological, mm -hmm. right? You can't play with that. And that's fine. And I think works when you're customizing a resume because it'll make sense to somebody looking at the resume that you've right. moved something up that's more relevant to the job. I think yeah. it's just that question of what do you put at the top? How do you summarize yourself, what you're looking for, what you excel at in a way that's broad enough to cover off any version of your resume that you're then sending out 
uh, as part of your job search. Oh, gosh, I feel like I need to spend a lot of time with my LinkedIn profile. I know. (laughs) I know. Well, I sent you the link to sign up for that resume session. Yes, you did. (laughs) So I expect to see you showing up there. Well, I hope that you'll join it. And for anybody listening, that you'll watch it. It'll be available on our site afterwards because we not only have somebody who's an expert and has a great LinkedIn learning course on resumes, and we'll touch on this aspect of the LinkedIn stuff as well, but we have a couple of alumni who have gone through this situation. Uh, um, we're going to be talking as well, including one who came back to work as a recruiter, had not been a recruiter before, because mm-hmm. um, that's the kind of job that lots of different jobs can feed into, who's going to be talking about the resume, both from the standpoint of the returner, but from the employer as well. And I think that's a super important perspective to Ooh, give to returners. Yeah. And it brings up something that I was wondering about a lot of the places we look at that are helping returners, they're really focused. Like we're looking at people who did marketing and getting them back into marketing or finance. Do you focus on a particular field or your returnships across the board? No, we don't focus on a particular field. They are in all different kinds of functions, finance, accounting, marketing, product management, software engineering. I mean, we've seen the whole gamut. I do think that, you know, the most in-demand jobs also tend to have the most returnship opportunities, right? right. So mm-hmm. uh, we've seen a lot in technology, particularly because that's an area where employers want more women mm-hmm. and returners are predominantly women, not entirely women though. Right. Um, the ratio, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the ratio of people who are out of the workforce for caregiving reasons is 12 to one women. Yeah. Yeah. So naturally, this is a pool that is that is largely female. Now, okay, so I hadn't been thinking about this before, but now I'm thinking about it because it seems like all the headlines the past couple of weeks have been of Disney's laying off 8,000, uh, Google, Amazon. I mean, it's not just, oh, 500 people are cut. It's like thousands, tens of, of thousands yeah. of people are being laid off, so, which can be really intimidating for someone like me who literally, I feel like every time I decide I'm going to start putting my toe back in the water, the economy just goes kablooey. So, <laughs> so sorry about that, y'all. Hopefully it's not related. <laughs> I'll stop looking. So is, does that mean it's a bad time? Like, is this a time to put stuff on hold or is it, okay, they may not be hiring right now, but now is the perfect time to start getting up and running with that resume and your LinkedIn, even though you may not be getting hired immediately? So first of all, yes, there are a lot of really high profile layoffs happening at big companies, but unemployment is still relatively low. Mm -hmm. At the moment, it's still a job seekers market. I think that pendulum may swing back to where, you know, employers are in the driver's seat a little bit more, but a lot of companies are still hiring, but in different sectors, right? If you're looking Mm -hmm. for a job at a tech company, now might be a tough time. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're an accountant and you're looking for a job, things are looking good for you. (laughs) So it sort of depends on, it depends on your industry and your skill and where you want to be working, what kind of industry you want to be working in. Um, So I think that particularly at times where you're seeing layoffs, I think it's important as a job seeker, regardless of returners for sure, but any job seeker to just be open to other places where you could apply your skills um, Mm -hmm. that are, you know, continuing to hire and and continuing to, to thrive. And to the second piece of your question about is now a good time to be getting my resume together. There's never a better time than today to start getting your resume together. It's going to take you a while. Missing. It's going to take you a while <laughs> to get back into the flow yep. of yep. 
you know, get a resume that you love, start mm-hmm. researching jobs, start networking to find out what's out there and, and getting some opinions from people you used to work with about where they think your skills could fit in in today's workforce, mm-hmm. right? Those are all things that take time. So waiting until it's the perfect moment when everybody's hiring again is actually too late. You're already behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. Now is the time to be doing that. So I would really encourage people not to take these signs as, you know, not to let that be your reason for extending your break. That makes a lot of sense. And so I don't mean to spend the whole episode on resumes, but one of my friends gave me the greatest gift of offering to pay someone to do my resume. One of her friends who is a professional at this, which again, I have said on the podcast before, the gift was her just reminded me that I'm worth investing in. So I did not have her pay for it, but I did pay that person (laughs) to do it. And I was shocked how different resumes are now because there's so much scanning, especially for big companies where the first set of eyes are digital um, that are going Mm -hmm. through your resume. So do you think the way that the landscape is now that it makes sense to have a professional get you going at least for that first one and then you can tweak it from there? Or are there some tips and tricks that you can do to, I don't know, outsmart the internet right now? (laughs) <laughs> or whatever the, what is it? The, not I, the ATS system, the, the AT- applicant uh-huh. tracking system, oh, or as we refer to it, mm-hmm. the dreaded ATS. <laughs> um, you know, I think that there are still human beings looking at most resumes and that's what we hear pretty consistently from the okay. employers that we work with. I think that they may use some technology particularly at bigger companies that do a lot of hiring and with really right. high volume jobs, but For the most part, I think you can expect that you're going to have a human being looking at your resume at some point. Whether or not it is worth it to have someone come in and have a professional come in and look at your resume depends on a couple of factors, right? How confident are you in the work that you've done for yourself? And do you have the means to hire somebody, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, our premise as a nonprofit organization is that people might not necessarily have those means and they need free resources for that. And that's why we do programming and the events like the one we were just talking about, because there are people who need that kind of help who might not be able to engage a professional to do it. I've also had returners tell me I engaged a professional and I got it back and I was really disappointed. I didn't feel like Mm -hmm. it it didn't feel like Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going back and reworking it myself. And yeah, I kept a couple of elements of that, but I went largely back to kind of where I was before. Mm -hmm. So I think it kind of depends how hard a time you are having Mm -hmm. getting yourself to 80% of the way there. Uh, But I think something that you said up top, and this is something that I think is really important for people to know is that you shouldn't sweat your resume too much. Because in the end, and the latters did this really interesting eye scan study with recruiters on a resume, where they basically, they used like an eye scanner to see like how long they spent on each piece of the resume. Uh And most of the time spent was on the professional summary and the company and title of the most recent job and the next job down and not anywhere else, not the specific bullet points. So I think if you're going to get one piece of your resume right, it's that professional summary at the top where you talk about yourself and your skills and what you're looking for. Okay. Good to right. know. That's, it is good to know. <laughs> I'm okay. signing up for the 
I know. <laughs> I, I told you I said that link yesterday. And I'm yeah. so, I love, love, love to hear the fact that some of these, or all or most of these returnship programs actually have their own little bucket for returns because yes. yeah, we don't have a lot of visibility into what that looks like on the company's side. And I feel like COVID has done a lot to remove the stigma of career breaks, but are, are you seeing that from the companies that you work with as well, or even before COVID, were they welcoming to have these moms and see the value of what we bring to the workforce? Well, the companies that we work with are the ones who have actually signed on with us and who have who have understood what we have sold them, if you mm -hmm. will, right? Which is we are going into companies to talk to them about the tremendous size of this talent pool, right? At mm -hmm. any given time in the U.S., there are 10 or 11 million women out of the workforce for caregiving reasons. And that's just the women of prime working age, which they define as 25 to 54, mm -hmm. right? So a huge pool of talent sitting on the sidelines. And they're immensely talented. And I am sure this applies to the two of you and to lots of people who are going to be listening to this. Our audience on average has 11 years of prior professional experience, mm -hmm. right? These are people with real skills that we could be mobilizing in service of our companies and our economy. And so when we're going to talk to employers, we're talking to them about the size and the caliber of this audience and about gender diversity in the workplace, right? We yeah. Women are not participating in the workforce in the same numbers that men are. And that lack of participation is causing all kinds of other issues, right? We don't have women in leadership in the numbers that we'd mm -hmm. like to see. We have a giant gender pay gap. And a lot of that is related to participation issues um, because mm -hmm. women are off-ramping from the workforce and mm -hmm. they don't have ways to on-ramp back in. So, sorry, that was a long-winded way of saying once an employer has decided to work with us, it's because they've already bought in and we've already sort of made them see the light, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, and they are carving out specific positions at their company for these returners. And the results of these programs have been really, really great with, you know, 80% of people going through these programs, which are an you know, attempt to perm roles, getting that permanent role at the end. And they become loyal employees because, mm -hmm. you know, when somebody gives you a chance when others didn't, that creates a different kind of employee loyalty. So yeah. the retention yeah. numbers for returners at these companies, you know, a couple of years out are way above the general retention numbers of a lot of these companies, which is what kind of keeps them running these programs year in and year out to welcome more women back into their workforce. Um, butterflies. That's when I, I always get butterflies at some point. But the idea that these companies already see the value. Because we say all the time, like, we didn't get dumber in this time. If anything, we got smarter. And mm -hmm. our brains still work. And yes, we use them for something different than being in a traditional working role for a lot of years. But women like us and our listeners have so much to offer. And I love that, that you're doing what you're doing so that there's somebody in the hiring role who can say, yes, we also agree that you have a lot to offer. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you just said that, Missy. We always say it, the team at Path Forward, like they didn't get hit by a dumb stick. They just took a break. <laughs> right. right. I mean, I have used my brain so much since I yes. left my last full-time job. Well, um, and I also think that the the unpaid work that so many of these folks are doing is creating 
a whole different set of skills uh, around communication and teamwork. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, the caregiving work is often not the only work that returners have been engaged in. They're Mm -hmm. doing part-time work, they're doing volunteering in their communities, Mm -hmm. and other types of work that both is keeping their existing skills fresh and developing new ones. Yeah. I think that really shows up for the employers that are willing to try to start these programs. And, you know, that's not to say that a company signs on with us and every single hiring manager and recruiter who works with us as part of that program is 100% bought in. There's always a little more work to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But as I said, the results generally speak for themselves. And we have a lot of converts out there in our uh, employer base, if you will. It's so exciting. I know. It's wonderful. One of the other things that we really try to do for our listeners and for ourselves is really encourage us to do things that are taking steps towards this, even when we're not ready to go back to work. So maybe you just had a baby or your parent needs care right now and just happened. You just stepped out of the workforce and you know, you're maybe three, five, seven years away from going back. What can you be doing right now that prepares you for this time when you're ready to jump into something like Path Forward and really hit the floor running? Well, I always start with the thing I wish I had done more of, right? I've walked this path. And the the biggest mistake I think I made was that when I left the workforce, I quit cold turkey. And by that, I mean, I didn't reach out to my former colleagues. I didn't stay in touch with people. And that was a huge huge mistake because it made it really awkward for me to reach out later when I wanted to start networking. Um, You know, I kind of left that part of my life behind and moved on. And I think it's really important if you're somebody who is, has just left the workforce or you're just, you know, a year or two into your break to stay in touch with your former colleagues. You don't know where they're going to land. They will be your best assets in terms of helping you figure out the landscape when you want to go back. So maintain those relationships, the ones you liked, Uh, maintain (laughs) those relationships um, because you will want that network when you do decide to go back, regardless of how long that might might be. Um, That's so much easier now than it was, say, when I quit cold turkey and walked away. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't, there wasn't a simple way. There wasn't a LinkedIn. There wasn't a Facebook. Now you really can stay in touch pretty easily. There's not much excuse to not. Yes. I was really grateful when I went to come back that LinkedIn had really just kind of gotten off the ground the year before or something like that, before I left the workforce. And so I had a LinkedIn profile And I was connected on LinkedIn to, you know, a hundred or so folks. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wasn't starting from scratch and I, you know, was able to get in there. But uh, so I do think that made it easier for me and will only make it more uh, easy for people who have those tools, you know, Mm -hmm. active and built up when they leave the workforce. The other thing that I would say is that if you work in a career that allows some project-based work, to keep that going, even if it's, you know, five hours a week or five hours a month, whatever it is. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who practice law. That's a great career for keeping some, you know, project-based work going. And there there are others like that as well. And if that's not something that's available to you, do the things that most people do. 
right? Get involved in a local organization, serve mm -hmm. on a board, serve on your school PTA, which lets you be closer to your kids in their school. Mm -hmm. um, because all of those things build up a new network for you in your community, uh, mm -hmm. which will also help you when you're looking to get yes. back, but also give you all those skills I was just talking about that are like those softer skills around, you know, if you can coerce a group of moms in the PTA to get a project done through influence <laughs> without you authority, could negotiate our way out of do, like... yeah. <laughs> if, if you can negotiate putting on shoes with a toddler, you're all set. Like <laughs> you got those skills going. You um, are a professional conflict negotiator. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh my goodness! Oh well, I love everything about this except for that it did not exist in 2005. But that, <laughs> but that's not your fault. No. <laughs> so no, I just think it's so exciting. The more and more opportunities that there are for moms to so uh, just use all parts of their brain, all parts of their skills, and not be that quote unquote just a mom while they're at home right. with their kiddos. So, right. want to make sure that all of our listeners can find you, find mm -hmm. Path Forward. So, uh, can you share the best way to get in touch? Well. I don't want everybody just reaching out and sending you emails, but <laughs> best way to learn more about Path Forward and yeah. get started there. Absolutely. The very best way is to go to our website. It's pathforward.org. And when you get there, there's a specific section for returners that'll lay out for you what resources are available for you, let you sign up to get our newsletter. We're uh, building a bunch of new things that are coming out this spring, including a community platform that I think will be super helpful for returners mm -hmm. to not feel alone on your journey and to feel supported on your journey. Um, so, we hope folks will join that as well. And you can also always reach out to me on LinkedIn. I share your journey and, uh, and I'm always happy to connect. Wonderful. And now is there any, there's no charge or anything, your nonprofit, no. there's no charge for anything. No, we are a nonprofit organization and everything that we do for returners is free. All of our events, all of our resources. And, you know, we really want to help kind of turn the tables and put returners in a place where they can influence the outcomes. Wonderful. Love it. Love that part too. All <laughs> right. So we're going to jump into our look, listen, learns then. And so for anybody who's listening for the first time, our look, listen, learns the time where we just spend a little time talking about things that we are looking at. So that could be reading, watching on TV, listening to podcast music or learning about. And we don't like to put our guests in the hot seat. So I'm going to have Missy start out with her look, listen, learns. Of course, I have kind of a strange one this week. Like, If you've been listening to the show over the last few weeks, you've probably noticed I'm cranky <laughs> and I would like to apologize, but also I don't, I'm not sorry. Like just a lot of things are going on in the world. And I realize that every week when I talk about it, I'm like, I'm really mad about this. I'm really fired up about that. But I am really mad and fired up about a lot of things going on, trying to figure out where I fit and where I can help and where I can do more in some of those things I'm mad about. But because of that, I have noticed that like my mental health is not maybe where it should be. I'm a little crankier than I am. I don't always run at that level. And so I am. And so I've just been listening to a lot of music and I've already talked about it in some of our look, listen, learns. Spotify is my new best friend. I find it so much easier to use than a lot of other music sources where I can just put in what I'm looking for. They now have this AI DJ 
Mine is fantastic. I love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's a great little robot. And he just finds music, plays some of the stuff that you listen to all the time, finds new music. And so I have not listened to a lot of podcasts or books or anything in the last week. I'm just listening to music, pepping myself up and listening to happy stuff and just kind of trying to get out of the space. Like it's okay to be mad and it's okay to be angry, but I can't walk around in this like, oh, I'm so frustrated. Like there's more to life than that. So I'm using my listen time to do that right now. So don't have anything too interesting to share there, but I do have a funny product that I bought today and I cannot wait to receive and I'm going to hold it up here, but I will also put it in the show notes, but it's this company called Mo Sews and she makes these really cheeky sweatshirts that are bird puns. And Suzanne knows <laughs> like I have, I love birds. I also really like raccoons. I, thought, I have I weird say, animal I affectations. <laughs> um, I bought one that has two geese on it and it says honkers. A lot of them are boob-related puns. <laughs> so I bought it this morning on a whim, and then I looked through her site. She's great. Then I found her socials, and she's really funny on socials. And I would like to, you know, she's a small business. She's just quit her full-time job to do this full-time. She's doing these embroidered sweatshirts. She does have some that do not have bird-slash-boob puns on them. Some are just like little bees and butterflies that are cute. But she embroiders all these sweatshirts. So go to mosos.com and um, buy yourself. There's one that says boobies and has blue-footed boobies on it. I love it. (laughs) That is a riot. (laughs) They're so great. So need a giggle, a little pick-me-up. I mean, I might not wear in public. I might. You don't know. But I'm definitely going to wear it around the house. You can't be grumpy if you're wearing that sweatshirt. Right. And neither can like any of the people I live with, which will, I also have two sons. I know you have two sons. They'll all be mortified. I was going to say, yeah. Like it's kind of, that's kind of a bonus, right? (laughs) Traumatizing your son at the same time. Perfect. Uh, Uh, So that is me this week. What are you up to, Christine? So I, uh, I have been listening to the new Pink album. I just love her. I have always loved her music, but I don't know if either of you caught the documentary film that she made about being on tour with her kids and being a mom and being a rock star. No. Um, You you really should watch it. And Uh, sharing it it with our community. It is amazing. She actually took her children on tour with her. I've seen her in concert and her energy level is it's unbelievable like acrobats and yeah, she literally yeah. flies through the air multiple yeah. times during awesome. the show and I'm really excited she's going on tour again this summer but I've been listening to her new album which is just great I have always appreciated her sort of I don't know being a bit of a rebel against the standard in the music industry and I think it's been really fun to watch how that's evolved as she's become a mother and how yeah. she's integrated her career and life right like we all struggle with that is what's our mm-hmm. what's the integration between there's no balance like forget like work-life balance that's yeah. just a misnomer it's yeah, this right. what's the integration that we're creating between those two things and mm-hmm. her documentary about how she did that has been really really fun uh, to watch so Ooh, I, okay. I, I checking that, that out today. yeah and then I've been learning to play pickleball because isn't everyone I am I the mean, last person. Oh. I've been hearing about it. There's people, our tennis court, you can't play tennis anymore because it's just all pickleball pick pick people over there. 
<laughs> it is so fun. It's like a combination of ping pong and tennis. And I've been playing it on the weekends with my friends. And we thought we were getting really good. And then somebody sent around an Instagram post of professional pickleball players. And we realized <laughs> we really are not. Um, but it's just a really, really fun activity. Don't, you know, don't mistake it for a workout. It is not a workout. No, um, I've played a couple times. It's super, yeah. super fun and social. Yeah. So highly recommend if you are among the holdouts, because it seems like everybody's playing pickleball these days. Yeah. Oh, I need to do that. That'll be my mom's, mom's who dare dare for Suzanne is going to be playing pickleball. Yeah. Yeah. I've, all my friends, like for their birthdays and stuff, are getting, uh, what is it called, monogrammed pickleball yes. you know, racket cases. And like they're full <laughs> into it. Yeah, so I can say this now because by the time this runs, it'll have happened. But I'm hosting a birthday party Friday night at my house for a friend who's really into pickleball. And our gift that we went in was like fancy, fancy paddles, fancy case and everything. Yes. Like that's her gift. I read another article that people are just up in arms because it's super loud. Like, oh, it is. Is it really it's loud? Not. Yeah. People who live next door to these tennis oh, courts are like so. trying to yes. ban an outlaw pickleball. So, so it is that loud. It's, it's really like a loud because it's like this hollow, it's like a wiffle ball, mm -hmm. but a much harder plastic. Okay. So if you think of like the ping pong noise uh -huh. and then amplify it and make it really echoey. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then have a bunch of middle-aged women like giggling while they do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh, okay. I need to try Missy, let's do that before it turns 100 degrees here in Texas. Yeah, we should. We should have a mom and pickleball meetup. Mom up. and pickleball. That's what the dots could be, the little balls. Oh, I'm seeing it now. Okay, we got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, is there anything else you've been looking and learning? Mm, no. No. <laughs> Just those two. We're lucky. We're right. lucky if we learn something most weeks. That works. <laughs> Some weeks I just choose not to. Yes, I refuse. There's only so much you can do. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'll jump into mine then. Um, looking at, although we started a few weeks ago, Mandalorian's back. So very excited. Well, even more than Mandalorian, Grogu's back. You know, he's so cute. <laughs> so, so cute. And then because it's my only vicarious claim to fame, I just got to say, I've said it before, my friend Dave is the cinematographer or one of the cinematographers, or I think mm -hmm. they call it a director of photography, director yes. of photography I think for so. Mandalorian. And Missy and I, when we were in L.A. last year, met up with him for dinner, which I still owe him another dinner for this. He's so sneaky about paying bills. He did the same I thing know. when we were in L.A. with the kids. I was yeah, like, he just bought our dinner. Yeah. I was like, like I'm without... going to get him back when he's not paying attention. Like, I'm finally <laughs> going to get And he's what are you no. talking about? That's the best kind of friend. The one who picks know, up the tab. But I'm like, I haven't seen him for like 30 years. It's like now twice in a row. So one of these days I'm going to. Dave, if you're listening, I'm coming to buy you dinner. Um, he bought us but, dinner and told us great stories the whole oh night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, we learned we learned all the truths about Rogu and so it was mm -hmm. so much fun. And it just makes mm -hmm. it extra, extra fun. First of all, because I get some serious street cred with the kids now that they've met him. And it's so fun because at the end of each episode, we're starting to get to tell almost his style. Because, you know, they really? go back and forth, the different yeah. episodes, whoever the director of photography is that episode. And we'll always kind of place bets and be like, I think this was one of Dave's. <laughs> and That's sure awesome. enough, it is. But then, so I've been looking at that and listening, speaking of Mandalorian, Smartless had a really great episode a few weeks ago with Jon Favreau 
um, mm. which was just super, super fun. And then the one this week was Keanu Reeves. Oh my gosh. People always talk about just like how this legend of Keanu Reeves and how charming and kind and whatever he it's pretty is. It's delightful, right? It, this whole interview was just, every word was just, I don't know. You could just feel a really good energy. I hope he doesn't turn out being a real jerk. Like someday, someday someone so finds yeah. his dark side. I don't know. But <laughs> I found it very lovely. So especially in an ugly week like this, if you need something mm -hmm. to give faith in humanity, listen to Smartless with Keanu Reeves. It was really, really good. And then I learned really random learn. It's very specific learn. If you are going to get your 13 year old a checking account and a debit card, bring every piece of ID that they have ever mm -hmm. had and both parents to the bank. Because I was like, surely he's had a savings account there for 13 years. This Doesn't should matter. be fine. Just add another account. No. Oh my God. I did have to have my husband drive across town to bring me the passport and the birth certificate and what else? He doesn't even have a student ID card. So there's all this other weird stuff. But luckily my husband came because my husband still after many years does not have access to Zoe's bank account. Because when we did that one, I was only there. And so I'm the only parent who has access. So I have to have this whole different login and password if I want to do anything oh, wow. that has to do with Zoe's account. So yes, plan ahead, make a day of it. If uh -huh. you are ever going to get your teenager set up on their own checking account with a debit card, which I do highly recommend because yes. that certain 13 year old keeps on losing weird stuff like his headphones. And we're like, well, that's really great thing for you to be able to buy on Amazon with your new debit card. So <laughs> highly <laughs> recommend, uh, right. but just make sure unless yeah. you want to make your husband interrupt his video game time with his friends, <laughs> come deliver you paperwork make sure you bring it with you. So that was my learn. Yeah, that's a good it, learn. That is yes, good advice. It is. All right. Nice. Oh my gosh. So excited thank you, thank about you. Path Forward. Me so too. excited about all the stuff that you are doing. And I'm really excited about that resume class coming up. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll I look forward to seeing you both there. Yes, we'll continue to share the link with our listeners to make sure um, that they hear it in case this episode doesn't go out before then. But again, even if you do miss it live, Oh my gosh. I mean, just you scroll, scroll, scroll on the little page. There's so many different so great much. webinars and sessions that are already available that were pre-recorded. So make sure you take a look at those as well too. Suzanne, awesome. Missy, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. You all thank are great. Yeah, It's such a pleasure thank knowing you. you. All right. Yes. Everybody have, have a great a wonderful week. afternoon. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count. <laughs>